been awesome in the house of God as it always is and feeling the fresh moving of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need a, a blessing for today. Amen? Last week was awesome. Would you say amen to that? The Spirit of God just incredibly moving. And, but this is a new day. It's a new week. And we can't live on last week's blessing. But instead, we, we look for the tender mercies of the Lord according to the Word of God to be renewed every single morning. And He is here. The presence of God is here. And He's doing a fresh work today. Today. I mean to tell you, um, I want to talk to you today about the power of self-talk. You say, some say, well, that kind of means you're kind of, woo you know, you start talking to yourself. I've, I've talked to myself for a good part of my life. But it wasn't until I became a child of God that I began to talk positively uh, about myself and to myself and about others. Uh, it used to be with the negative old sin nature before I knew the Lord. I grew up in a home that uh, was uh, very abusive and uh, a lot of cursing going on, a lot of cursing, cursing on my life, cursing on my siblings, my mother, and, and yet, you know what, when I became a child of God, it took me a while for the Holy Spirit and the washing of the Word of God to begin to cleanse my mind, and I began to think differently, and I began to think differently, begin to speak differently. And yes, every now and then I revert back to my old default setting of where I am negative and critical of myself, critical of others, but you know, the Holy Spirit isn't long when I'm into that to remind me that I'm a new creation made for good works by Christ Jesus through the blood of Christ. And, and, and I'll tell you what, we need to think different and we need to speak different. And uh, the power of self-talk, where I used to talk to myself and condemn myself and tell myself in agreement with the devil... And with those who curse me is that, boy, you're really stupid, Tim. Boy, you're really dumb. Boy, what a dumb thing you did. Well, you know what? I do a lot of dumb things. I do a lot of stupid things. But that doesn't define me of who I am. I'm a child of God. And my identity is in Him. It is in Christ alone. I love the songs today. So fitting. In Christ alone. That's where my self-worth is. That's my identity is in Christ alone. When I do something stupid, even say something stupid, that doesn't define me. It just reveals that I'm still not arrived to total sanctification and holiness yet. Are you there too? Anybody still in the, on the road to self-improvement and God improvement in your life? I, you know, a lot of this has helped. You know, even going through difficult times, going through struggles and testings of my faith, is that I have to not only listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, but I also have to listen to my own voice come into agreement with the Holy Spirit. Are, are you listening to this? There's power in agreement. And I can either come into agreement with the devil's assessment of the situation and of my life, or I can come into agreement of what God says. And I choose the latter. I choose to, to come into agreement and alignment with the Word of God and the Word and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, we'd, we'd be, be delivered from a lot of trouble and attitudes if we would just do that. But it's something we have to work on every day. Amen. The power of self-talk. You know, uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 42, um, our key text is going to be in number, uh, verse number 5, but look at, look at, as the deer, verse 1, 
longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. This used to be a real popular song uh, in churches throughout the world. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. King James, amen? Uh, I love King James, don't you? Beautiful um, poetic language. Uh, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst. Say, I thirst. Listen, if you ever get a place in your Christian walk where you're no longer thirsty, you're in trouble. You really are. You're in trouble. Because then you're going to begin not only to plateau in your walk with God, but you'll begin to decline. You'll go backwards. You'll backslide. We need to be always thirsty for what God has for us. His mercies are new every single morning, and and He is wanting to impart something fresh each and every morning as we walk with Him. He says, I thirst, the psalmist said, for God. I thirst for God, the living God. Not the gods of this world, but I thirst for the living God. When can I go and stand before Him, the psalmist asked. Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the crowd of of a great celebration. Now, when we think about the thirsting of the psalmist, and we think about our thirsting after God, I, I think, you know, I have a a peace lily in my office. You know, a while back, uh, there was a, a funeral, and, and the family said, hey, just keep these two peace lilies. They were beautiful. I love peace lilies. Probably of all the plants, they're my favorite. And, and so I put one in the outer office and one in my office up by the wall or by the, near the window. And you know what? Um, <clears throat> I don't have a green thumb. <laughs> um, not even close. But I, but I you know, I, and what happens is I forget to water the peace lily sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time. And, and that poor peace lily, <laughs> Tracy knows, don't you, Tracy? And Deanna knows, but that poor peace lily, I mean, I'll come in sometimes and not even thinking about it and have to look up there towards my desk and the bookcase, and that poor peace lily is just wilted to the ground. <sighs> and I thought about, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so my peace lily longs for water too, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know what happens, though, is I'll go out and get a pitcher of water, fill a coffee pot full of water, and I'll come in and I'll pour it on the dry, parched ground. And within an hour, it is perked up, and the leaves and the stems are up. And it's like they're lifting and praising God for the water of life. And I'm just saying that there's a, there's a correlation here between our thirst and how we desperately need to be regularly watered by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the living water from the living God to bring new life into us when we are dry and parched. And the psalmist knew that. He looked and he noticed nature. He noticed the deer after deer has been racing and leaping through trying to escape its predators and how it races along and it gets so dry and parched, the tongue is stuck and dry to the roof of its mouth and longs for the waters, a stream of living water, to bring life back into that. You know, the psalmist is talking about the trouble that they used to go in. He's referring to, I've been in trouble and I've been away from, I remember how it used to be. Anybody say, I remember how it used to be and it used to be wonderful. And then the psalmist asks himself in our text today, 
why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he gives the solution. You know what? I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to praise him again, my Savior and my God. He's going to, he made a decision that in the lowest part maybe of his life, maybe for a long time, the lowest part in his life, when he was the most sad and the most discouraged, is that I'm going to put my trust in God. But first he asks himself a couple of questions. Why am I so sad? Why is my heart so down? Uh, you know, why am I discouraged? I always think of that sadness, why am I so sad? You know, I think of that old funny Italian song, you know, you know, you know, why are you so sad? It's a not so bad. <laughs> shut up of your face. You know, like sometimes we need to shut up our face, right? When we get discouraged, we start saying the wrong thing. We start talking to ourselves about the wrong thing that only does what? It only digs our hole of pit, our pit deeper. We have a choice of either digging a deeper pit through self-pity, call it a pity pit, John Hagee calls it, get off your pity pot, and start rising higher. We have, what does the psalmist say? He says, I'm going to put my hope in God. You know, my hope's not in my problems. My hope's not in my past. My hope is in God who always has a future and a hope for me. And, and turning to the psalms when we're feeling low is sometimes therapeutic. You know, we can go back and we can think, we got it so bad, read some of the psalms and think, oh, this poor guy. But then when he comes to, after he pours his heart out in anguish, he comes, it's like a revelation, like an epiphany comes, and it's like, oh, there's hope in God. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Because what does he say? I remember. We need to remember what we forget sometimes. Amen? We need to remember. This, this same text appears three times in the Psalms, once in, in the, the text we have today in 42.5, but also in verse 11, it was repeated, and 43 verse 5, the same thing. Do you think the psalmist is repeating something that happens to him often? I think so. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said of this text, says that as though, it is as though he were two men, the psalmist. The psalmist talks to himself. His faith reasons with his fears, his hope argues with his sorrows, that there's a debate going on here. Yeah, things are bad, but God is good. Somebody say amen. And so talking to ourselves can be very beneficial. We need to, listen, in a positive way, talk to ourselves when we are discouraged. Not if we're going to be discouraged, but when we get discouraged, because discouragement comes in life. If you haven't figured that out, you're a newborn baby, and you'll find it out soon after you get slapped on the bottom by the doctor. That's very discouraging. You, you see your first ray of light and come out into the world and smack. Okay? And then, and then your mother won't feed you on time. She won't change you on time. She won't move you and pick you up when you want. You know, things are discouraging in life. But we can choose to either walk in discouragement and allow the spirit of discouragement to overwhelm us and oppress us and depress us, or we can choose to rise above circumstances and praise the living God. 
And I'm just telling you, the psalmist asked himself, why am I so discouraged? We need to talk to ourselves when we're discouraged. We, we all go through times of discouragement. Sometimes there's bad health. Sometimes there's chronic pain. Sometimes there's surgeries and treatments that go through. You know, I just recently started visiting a new doctor, and, and I really like my new doctor. He's really nice. But one thing I don't like about my new doctor is after he went over my health things, he, uh, uh, three different times he told me, well, these, these things happen when you get older. You know, you know, yeah, I got arthritis in my shoulder now, I found out. I don't have any cartilage in my uh, rotated cuff joint, in the joint of my shoulder, and, and I got two bone spurs on top of it. So, you know, pow, pow, pow. Well, guess what? Things happen like that when you get older. It's not uncommon. And so I got bad news from the doctor, but I have good news from God. He's a healer. Amen? And I'm going to be praying for healing. I'm going to be praying for God to touch me. He's healed me before. He can do it again. But sometimes, you know, these things can affect us. Chronic pain can create depression. You know, when people just live with pain every single day, eventually, it doesn't matter how happy they are, sometimes it just lakes them low, and they get negative and discouraged. But financial problems can do that, and guilt from mismanagement of our finances. You know, I remember Bill Heibel saying many, many years ago in a stewardship message, he said that he has done, and his staff, counseling staff has done more counseling in dealing with people's mismanagement causing guilt and shame than even of sexual sin. And sometimes we mismanage our finances, we know, and we're ashamed. But you know what? God can help us through that if we turn around and do the right thing. There can be sometimes surprise expenses that come along. That just happens in life, and it can be discouraging if you're not prepared for that. We, we get discouraged, and we need to talk to ourselves when there's hopes and dreams that are dashed. Boy, I can talk to you about a few of those. Hopes and dreams. I, 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 my very nature is, is I'm a visionary. I see uh, silver linings and dark clouds. My wife has to bring me down to reality sometimes. We need to find balance. But there's times that I see, th and then when, when there's a rain cloud that comes and it doesn't turn out to be a sunshine, sometimes I can get discouraged. And I think, but God, I believed you for a great thing. And God says, you need a little rain in your life. You need a little balance there. Hopes and dreams, when they die, we kind of sometimes a part of us dies with our dream. When family or friends let us down, has that ever happened to anybody? Don't raise your hand. They're probably sitting right next to you. Sometimes people let us down. Can I tell you that God will never let you down? Uh, that old uh, hymn, I just love that old hymn, Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but Jesus never fails. Amen? Found that to be true. And talking to ourselves, when we talk about and we discuss ourselves uh, when we're going through trouble, we need to remind ourselves of the promises of God and for His plans for our life. And yes, I don't care how young you are or how old you are, God has plans and purposes for your life, for every season of your life. I've always liked to put it this, as long as you are sucking air, God has a plan for you. He's not done with you yet, no matter how young or how old you are. I think of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah speaks for the Lord, and he says to the people of God, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. It'd be one thing if Jeremiah says Jeremiah the prophet. No, he was speaking 
the Word of God to the people of God. So it's not by His authority or His promise. It is God Himself promising Israel as well as promising us to this day that I have plans for you. This was a rebellious nation ready for judgment, yet God says, but I know I still have plans for you. In the midst of your judgment, yes, you're going to go through it, but I still have plans for you. I have not forgotten you. You are my people. You're my covenant people. They are plans for good, God says. They're good plans and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God is not done with Israel. He's not done with us. Somebody say amen. I, I want to look here at uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, and I love this this verse, I mean, this passage of Scripture, when I go to it often when I'm feeling low, because it reminds me of the promises of God and the nature of God and his attitude towards uh, his creation. And he says this, Paul says, that I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever, not ever, ever, ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither my fears, our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And I like when I'm doing self-talk, I put myself personally into the Scriptures. And it's not uh, being unfaithful to the Scripture text, but it says, for I am convinced, not Paul, but I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate me from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither my fears for today or my worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate me from the love of God. Verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, 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 ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'll tell you what, you go over that two or three times when you're feeling low, and you begin to put yourself personally into the Scriptures to inherit what God has for you, your spirit will rise. You'll be like my peace lily after a water comes on it, and you'll be lifting up your hands to the Lord like the peace lily lifts it up to heaven, thanking God for His provision of living water, living hope from the living God. Somebody say amen. Talking to ourselves, speaking to ourselves through worship. We think of Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter uh, 5 where, where Paul says to be filled with the Spirit. I don't have that up here. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And you think about that, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You know, during my time of discouragement, sometimes I don't have to get a hymn book anymore because I can go right to uh, my smartphone uh, or my computer and I can pull up the lyrics to some old hymns. But sometimes I like to get out the hymn book because sometimes I forget what some of the hymns are and I page through. I cut my spiritual teeth on the hymns, by the way, and and they are so powerful. The words are so powerful. You know, when I'm feeling lonely and alone, like nobody cares, I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms, you know. What a friend I have in Jesus, all my sins and griefs to bear. What a fellowship 
to carry all my sins and cares to him. I can't remember the words. See, it's been so long. But, you know, what a friend I have in Jesus. You know, the whole world, listen, can be against you. And if you have Jesus, you have everything. See, when the whole world, when your friends turn against you, your family, when you're going through times of pain and agony, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. His presence is there to lead and guide us, to encourage us. I remember when I was uh, going through post-cancer uh, uh, surgery, when I had cancer five years ago, been five years. My, my urologist said five years. Medical science considers you to be cured. You don't have to see me again. And so, you know, I'm pretty thrilled about that. But during the low time, during the low time when the, when the prognosis was bad, you know, in my sadness, my depression, I finally thought, I'm tired of this. I can't live in this bed. I can't live in a bed of discouragement. I just, I, you know, I'm not wired that way. I hate that. And so I went on my computer, and I went to YouTube. You know, there's good things on there. And I started clicking in, man. And songs from years back, hymns coming out, testimonies of people who went through what I went through, sharing how God brought them through. And, you know, I was like that peace lily. I was like dwilting, wilting down, and, man, just sad and, you know, discouraged. And all of a sudden, I found myself just like a, a, a burst in a hole in a dam, holding back the water, began to trickle out and begin to burst in my soul. And I began to get encouraged and hope began to come back. And I began to say, but my God, He is able. Now, whatever He decides is fine, but He is able. And I began to cry out for God's mercies. His mercies are new every morning. I thought, I'm going to just cry out for His mercy and, and just see what God will do. The doctor said this, but let's just see what God has to say about that. Let's see what God says. And sometimes we get discouraged, we forget to even ask, what is God saying about this? Well, I'll tell you what, it changed my situation. The atmosphere of depression and discouragement lifted and hope and encouragement came into the atmosphere. I began to think differently, I began to talk differently again. God restored my soul. And it's through going back through remembering what I forgot. What does God say? What do the songwriters say? What does the poet say who's been through this? What does the psalmist say? And you find hope. But we need to speak to ourselves and encourage ourselves when we're discouraged and also what the psalmist said when he's sad. Verse 5 in the latter part of that verse says, why am I so discouraged? But he says, why, why is my heart so sad? It was, you know, sadness, emotions. My heart is just so sad. And I, and I think here, it, it, uh, ignoring sadness, we could say, well, I'm just going to deny it. I'm not going to think about it. Well, that doesn't really do a lot of good because you're just stuffing it and pretending it's not there when it's there, when you've got a sad heart. Because ignoring sadness, Sarah Brown said, is, leads to repression. It also may lead to depression. So there's a downward spiral when we become sad and we don't deal with it as we should appropriately. She goes on to say that there's a difference between sadness and depression. Sadness, with sadness you feel, depression may lead into numbness. Intense sadness or heaviness, a spirit of heaviness, that cannot be easily coped with. So typically sadness is brought on through circumstances. Circumstances can yank our chain. 
Circumstances can pull us down into a pit. Circumstances can cause us to look down instead of looking up where our help comes from. But uh, it, it can lead us into depression. You know, sadness can come and go where depression stays with us longer. It's like you're in the water, deep water, with sadness, but when you let it go into depression, it becomes oppressive, and it's like you're being held under the water. Or you're treading water, trying to gasp and get a breath. I don't know about you. Have you ever been there? I have. And I can tell you that the remedy for me was praising God even when I didn't feel like it. When you are discouraged and your heart is sad, you do not feel like praising God. Even though though you know it's good medicine. I think of... uh, Sometimes when we're feeling sad or feeling discouraged, uh, we feel alone. We feel like we're all by ourselves. Nobody's with us. It's just me. Nobody's ever gone through what I've gone through. And I begin to hear testimonies of other people. I found like, you know, there's nothing we can go through that other people have not. And the Word of God says that Christ went through everything without sin that we went through. He is uh, acquainted with our sorrows, a man acquainted with our sorrows. When we're feeling alone, we're feeling helpless. And you think uh, like it's the end of the world and you can't go on. It's the grief. And I, I remember just recently a great example of this is Dave Ewer. And I don't know if you followed his uh, video updates that he put out, which I thought were very helpful. It helped me to pray for him and understand where things are going. But there came a time where David went in. His son, Lawson, 21-year-old, is, is very, very sick that he's getting worse. So Dave flies up from Florida, leaving evangelism boot camp, taking a break from there, coming up and to be with his son. Doctors, nurse telling him that he's going to, he's probably not going to make it. He's going to die. Doctor told him he's the sickest person in this hospital and we can't give you a lot of hope. And after listening to that, listen, you listen to things like that and they may be a truthful evaluation I'm not knocking the doctors. They have to be honest. But I'm telling you, when you get beat with that over and over again, listen to me, you can come into an agreement that will bring you down. And I remember when he was so sad and he was just just so discouraged. And my heart, and he was just, his face, he just wouldn't hardly even, like he just couldn't look up. And I thought, oh, God, help him. God, help him. And I remember Catherine Lindstedt, one of our worship leaders. I just love Catherine, don't you? And Catherine called him and she said, you need to start praising the Lord. You're listening to all the negative stuff. You need to praise the Lord. You need to listen to some worship music. You need to begin to sing. And he said, but I don't feel like singing. Okay? I've been there. And she said, you need to listen to and sing along with Raise a Hallelujah. And listen to the words. Can you put those words up for me, Doug, please? Raise a Hallelujah. Because I mean to tell you, they're so powerful, it's pretty incredible. I raise a Hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a Hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a Hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a Hallelujah, heaven will come and fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. 
Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, I hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I'm going to sing it louder and louder and louder. And I remember Dave, a total change in his countenance and his eyes. A day later, when he sang that song, in the middle of the storm, it was like a light in the darkness, and he began to sing it. He, I remember he said in the, in the room, he turned it up loud, was singing loud where his son could hear him. He, you know, in a coma, he could hear him, and he began to praise the Lord for what God was going to do. We prayed for him last Sunday. There was a, listen, a shift it was like the earthquake on a resurrection morning. And God says, wait a minute, I'm not done. I'm not done with that young man. And he overruled the prognosis. He left the hospital on Friday when they said he would be here for weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> Raise a hallelujah in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the unbelief, let it be a weapon. Praise and worship is a, is a song of adoration to the heart of God. He, he, he looks and receives our worship like incense, sweet-smelling incense rising up to his nostrils. God is pleased when we begin to praise him in the middle of the storm. It's easy to praise him when everything's going good. When no, you don't have any problems in your life, say, oh, God is good, God is so good. And if something happens to somebody else, well, oh, I'll pray for you. But when it happens to you, you know what Dave said? He said, I'll never, ever, ever, ever again respond the way I used to when somebody was having something like I went through. He said, I cannot tell you, Pastor, how much it meant for me that people who said they would pray for me were really praying for me. And God gets all the glory for it. God gets all the glory. Raise a hallelujah. And what are we doing when we're singing the words of that song? We are really talking to ourselves. Sometimes we're just singing words. But when you're going through something, and I know the reason that song was wrote, what it sprang from an event where there was a, uh, at, at Bethel Church, where there was a, uh, a young boy of, of one of their colleagues who was in the hospital. And, and this father called and said, you know what, my son, they say, is going to die tonight. I know you've been praying, but they said he's going to die. And this songwriter who wrote this said that I agonized in my soul. And he said, I cried out to God, said, oh God. And he said, out of my pain, I cried out, raise a hallelujah. And a song was born. And the words came. And then they begin to live those words. And begin, those words began to be a prayer. And you know what? That little boy lived. God overruled the doctor. I'm just saying, either way would have been a, a happy ending. The little boy would have gone to heaven and there would have been great grief by the parents and the parents would have met him in heaven. I'm not saying that, there's, that, that the death of a, of a born-again believer is bad. I'm just saying that there's times when we can become, listen, indignant about the status quo, that we can be unsettled about it. We can be un, just, I don't want to receive that. God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I'm going to praise you in the middle of this storm. And I'm going to believe you for greater things. 
I can tell you God healed me. Raise a hallelujah. See? God healed Lawson. Raise a hallelujah. God healed that little boy that the song was written for. Raise a hallelujah. Story after story, testimony after testimony comes. But when we are down, listen, we need to look up. When we are sad and the tailspin of sadness can go downward to depression, dejection, and despair, the sadness of heart is an indicative of a broken spirit. And when we have a broken spirit, there is only one who can heal us of that, and that his name is Jesus. When we feel deflated, fatigued, and emotionally drained, mentally and even physically drained because of the circumstances, we need to raise a hallelujah, begin to praise him in the midst of our storm. I can't tell you how hard it was for me to sing. Two big times in my life, one many, many years ago, but the Holy Spirit said, you need to worship. Interesting thing, I was a worship leader at that time many, many years ago, and I found myself in the pit of despair. And nothing would, nothing would fix it. And I remember driving to my first sales stop that morning, and I remember I had a, oh, it's an old-fashioned technology. It was a cassette tape, headphones. And I put the worship in. And it was like bad-tasting medicine. I'm just being honest. I don't want to hear it. I don't feel it. I don't want to hear it. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to sing it. I began to confess it through my singing. Bad taste in my mouth. I don't feel it. In fact, I don't even want to feel it. Okay? You can get so low, you don't want to even raise your hand up to have somebody lift you up. And I remember doing it by faith. Somebody said, do it by faith because he's worthy. It's not, it's not how you feel, the Holy Spirit said. It's, it's the worthiness of Christ. And I began to sing. And I can take you to that spot on 291 Highway coming into Independence where all of a sudden I got a picture of this huge dam holding back the living water in my life. It was a huge dam. And I saw suddenly, the more I sang, I saw it crack. And, and I saw water begin to spurt out. And it, it, fell, it fell on my soul. And I began to feel, oh, I haven't felt that for a long time. And, and the more I sang, the, the hole got a little bigger. And my soul began to be revived. And I started thinking, oh, God. I started singing louder. <laughs> and I started wanting to sing because I liked what it was doing. Listen, praise and worship is good medicine. Sometimes it tastes bad in our mouth because of our circumstances, but we got to take our medicine. And, and I began to feel different. I started to feel hopeful. I started to feel a little bit happiness. And, and it, I wish I could tell you that the dam burst that day, but it was a progressive bursting of that dam of choosing every single day to begin to talk to myself in the worship songs, the words that I was singing, talking to myself about the Word of God, talking to myself about the hymns, and talking about the promises of God to myself, it's going to be okay, I tell myself. You're gonna, God's going to raise you up. God, and all of a sudden, three or four months later, I was back to normal. See, 
Raise a hallelujah. See, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's God's medicine for us. God's medicine for us. I can tell you, Elijah was pretty discouraged about circumstances in his life. In 1 Kings 19.4, it says that after he was fleeing Jezebel, after an incredible victory on Mount Carmel, he says that he was fleeing from Jezebel who had threatened his life. She said, you're going to be dead by tomorrow, you know, and threatened him. And he took off running. And, <clears throat> and when he ran from God and ran all the way to the cave and just exhausted, emotionally exhausted, spiritually exhausted, physically, mentally fatigued. It says that he went on alone. Say alone. You don't ever have to be alone. You have the presence of God. You have Emmanuel with you. But he was on alone in his mind into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary, say solitary, solitary broom tree, and he prayed. What did he pray? God, help me. He says, no, God, just take my life. I've had enough, God. Take my life, or I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. <clears throat> he was discouraged. He was sad because of his circumstances. He soon found out that he wasn't alone. God told him when he got to the cave that there's 700 other prophets who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. You just think you're alone. Sometimes we think we're alone when we're not. Think about Job and his lament, all the things Job went through. You think you got a bad? Hey, Read Job. You'll be crying with a tissue box of tissues. I mean, you'll be saying, this poor man, how could he have survived this? Lost everything. People came to him. It was almost like Dave. It's just like bad news came, bad news came, more bad news came, more bad news came. You know, you, you, know, you lost your wealth. Oh, you, guess what? Your children all died in a whirlwind and a tornado. And, and guess what? You're, you're, you know, you're, you've lost everything. And, and Job was just like, you know, finally just so discouraged, so sad. And here's what he said in his discouragement. In Job chapter 3, verses uh, 3 and 4, he said this, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night that I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost to God on high, and let no light shine on it. He says in verse 26, I have no peace no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. I think he was pretty discouraged. He, his friends came to him. His three best friends in all the world came to see him. They sat and they were just mournful. And then when they spoke, they should have just shut up. Because they began to accuse him. This all happened because of sin. You're, you sinned. When he denied it, just admit it. <clears throat> You're lying. And he just, I mean, he lost everything. His wife told him, why, why are you holding on to your integrity? Just curse God and die. So she turned on him. I tell you, he was down. But guess what? Read the rest of the story. God showed up. God showed up. He had an encounter with God. And God began to speak to him. And later on, Job says that in the midst of his trouble, in the midst of his storm, he said, I know this one thing, that I am decaying in my body. I've got boils all over. My, my health is decayed. I've lost my children. I've lost my wife. I have lost my wealth. But listen to this. I will retain my integrity. One day on that day, I will, in my flesh, I will see God face to face because I know my Redeemer lives. Never lost his testimony. He had to remind himself of it to help lift him up. And God restored him 
uh, with uh, many fold over what he already had. We need to embrace in times of trouble the grace and the mercy of God in times of sadness and discouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, the apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and we're not sure what that was exactly. There's a lot of surmising about it, but I don't think anybody knows for sure. But he said to the, of this, of his thorn in the flesh, three different times I begged, begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And Paul goes on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ might work through me. In the midst of our weakness, God wants his power to shine through your weakness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says of this is that grace, grace swims to our aid though the waves roar and be troubled. I like that. Grace is swimming towards you, swimming towards me. In the midst of the storm, grace swims to us to rescue us. Last point I'm going to make and have the worship team come back as we close is when we need, we need to talk to ourselves when we need to remember what we forgot. And I think this is the biggest, biggest thing. I know this from experience and I know it from listening to other people. When we are really down, we forget what we know. We forget what we need to remember. Only for a season, though, because the Holy Spirit is a good reminder. Would you say amen to that? Psalms 49, 5 and 6a says, uh, the psalmist said, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Hope, can I tell you, is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a pill. It's not found, it is only found in trusting God. God is the author of hope. He is a light in the darkness of despair. I don't care how dark your despair is. He is a light in the darkness of your despair. He is an ever-present help in our time of need. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. He is our first hope, our second hope, our third hope. He is our only hope. We need to speak into, listen to this, into our situation, into the atmosphere, the word of truth, uh, the truth of God to correct the deception of our emotions and our accusations from the enemy. Speak truth into the atmosphere. Have you ever done that? I can tell you when I begin to speak truth into my situation through praise and worship and through the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs is that the atmosphere of cloudiness and darkness begin to push away and the light of the Son of God begin to come through. It makes a difference what you say. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this, and I want you to maybe just notice how I've changed uh, the hours and the we's to I. And I want you to personalize this for yourself. Paul said, therefore, since I have been made right with God in God's sight by faith, I have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus, the Lord, has done for me. And because of my faith, Christ has brought me into this place of undeserved privilege where I now stand. And I confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse number three, I can rejoice too when I run into problems and trials for I know that they help us, help me to develop endurance. 
And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I'm going to tell you that I've got a lot of character development that's taken place because of troubles. It forces you to grow. And verse 5 says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for I know how dearly God loves me, because he has given me the Holy Spirit to fill my heart with his love. He's given it to me. I I love that part. In verse 2, because of my faith, Christ has brought me into this place of undeserved privilege. Unmerited favor. We need to remind ourselves of that. Personalize the scripture. Receive it. It's like a healing balm on the wounds that have you, that cause your sadness and discouragement. We need to remind ourselves of his mercies. Lamentations 3, 21 and 23 says, Yes, I still dare to hope. Can I tell you, when you are at the lowest low, cause yourself, decide that I'm going to dare to hope. And he says, I will dare to hope when I what? When I remember this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every single morning. The steadfast love, one other translation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies begin every single morning. We need to remind ourselves of what we forget. We need to speak to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We need to begin to listen to worship and make ourselves participate in worship so that the presence of God will flood in, and the anointing of his presence will break the yoke of discouragement and sadness, and hopelessness will flee, and hope will rise. It'll rise like the wings of a dove, and like my poor peace lily, when it receives the water of life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are an ever-present help in a time of need. That God, no matter what we go through in life, no matter how far we hit bottom, no matter how deep of a hole we've dug for ourselves into our pity pit, that God, your word and your promises reach deeper than we can go. That your hand, your right hand, your saving arm, Your nail-scarred hand, the saving arm of God, reaches down to the lowest pit and reaches down to the dirtiest, most filthy gutter. And you reach down and you save and you lift up. Lord, you offer hope to the hopeless and help to those in trouble. You save those who don't deserve saving. You forgive those who don't deserve to be forgiven for all the horrible things, evil things they've done. Yet when we cry out to you and say, God, have mercy, forgive me, 
Jesus, come into my life and forgive me. Make me a new person. That at that very moment, God, you wipe away every sin. Every stain cleansed by the blood of Jesus, the blood of his cross. And so I encourage you today, heads bowed, eyes closed. There's someone here and says, uh, Pastor, I want... I want a new start. I want to be forgiven. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. I just want you to just quickly look up here, raise your hand, say, Pastor, just pray for me for that. Those of you watching by live stream, you're at home, you know who you are. Just lift your hands. I see hands. Yes, God. God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the mouth confesses, the heart believes, and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Promise of God. Let's pray together. You at home, pray with us. Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. And I believe that he died on the cross for me. His innocent blood was shed as an atoning sacrifice to wash away my sins. God, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me from all my sins. Write my name in the book of life in heaven. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.